0: You're listening to Festival Grass,
1: A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. With your hosts, Mario. And Shanae. Welcome everybody to the newscast. In this week's edition.
0: Breaking news, Oregon becomes the first U.S. state to decriminalize all drugs.
1: Beatport Reconnect teams up with mental health nonprofit on a 24 hour virtual music festival.
0: German study concludes low to very low risk of coronavirus spreading at indoor gigs.
1: Illegal events explode across UK before new lockdown.
0: But first, Live Nation reports 83% of fans are keeping tickets, but that they've suffered a 95% revenue drop from last year. Today, Live Nation, of course, is the largest live entertainment company. And in its Q3 earnings report that came out Thursday, it tried to have a positive spin. Unfortunately, with its second full quarter with almost no live entertainment, the amounts were quite ugly. The emphasis in the report is what will happen when concerts return, which it continues to project for next summer. The company says 83% of fans are keeping their tickets for rescheduled shows, which is good news. 95% of fans globally are planning on attending concerts again, and this is in a quote, the highest point of confidence since the start of the pandemic. It also claims that festival tickets on sale are pacing well ahead of last year with the Electronic Daisy Carnival in 2021 in Las Vegas, Selling out in less than twenty-four hours at higher capacity, it also pointed to Creamfields and Isle of Wight festivals in the UK, all pacing ahead of last year this time, and its first sold-out arena tour with twenty thousand fans in New Zealand, where business is headed back to normal. It says, however, financially speaking, today, as expected, the picture is not a bright one. The revenue this quarter plummeted from one hundred eighty million down from three point seven seven billion. So that is where the 95% dive comes into account. However, drive-in concerts and a limited return to live events boosted ticket sales about 180% to nearly 270,000. But that's a 96% drop as well from the 8.16 million sold in the same quarter last year. The figures are out. This is very, very dire. And I wonder what you think, Shanae, about the fact that a company like this, it's massive, runs a lot of festivals, namely Bonnaroo, which it last year bought in full. It had a remaining stake that was owned by Superfly Entertainment, but they bought them out. I'm wondering if they're able to survive this loss of income.
1: It's really up in the air depending on how long we'll continue to be without this industry because you could say, you know, if things got back to normal six months from now, potentially potentially, Companies like Live Nation would recover, but if we're prolonged in this pandemic and it could last another year or two years, we can't really say if any, really any company in this industry will survive. But I actually found it interesting. You mentioned that the company said 83% of fans are keeping their tickets for rescheduled shows. Now, Live Nation had updated their policy after COVID had hit in terms of cancellations because anything that was canceled or rescheduled prior to COVID was eligible for a refund. And now it's only when the tickets are canceled. For events that are rescheduled, a buyer could receive concert cash after they attend the new date. So they're kind of being incentivized to go to the rescheduled date, but they're not able to get a refund From Live Nation, if the event has said we've rescheduled till next year, they've really changed their um, policies, not in the fans' best interest in their own. So I found it interesting that that's the percentage of people who are keeping their tickets, but their policy dictates that they have to keep their tickets.
0: Interesting how that all worked out. Well, this could be an acceptable survival mechanism that they're employing here. I would not like to see a large conglomerate like this fail in this case because we know that most likely there's going to be a massive shakeup. A lot of festivals are not going to return and they'll have to probably come back smaller and possibly with new ownership. You know, for instance, if, if we were festival producers and our company basically had to go under, we still retain those talents at running a festival. And all it would take would be for someone with money to come along and employ us and rebuild that festival for them with their money. Now, the company here, Live Nation, also emphasized it's making tremendous efforts towards the safe return of events. And of course, they merged with Ticketmaster about 10 years ago. And Ticketmaster has come out with the smart event product suite and this product suite is available for event producers and it gives them a lot of tools so that they can create and plan and and this is not just virtually in terms of you're preparing the festival from an organization point of view but also in person physically where you're trying to figure out how far people need to be so there's a social distancing seat mapping tool that they get. There's timed entry technology. There's safe ticks, digital ticketing, which can aid in contact tracing. There's contactless offerings from concessions, box office testing, health questionnaires, tracking and more. It also includes collaborating with health experts on guidelines that can adapt across various regions, venue sanitation procedures, fan-friendly policies on ticket purchases. We just mentioned that, but this is for the future. And then the latest testing options. So it seems like there's efforts here from this large company to not just create these guidelines and these tools for themselves to use to do better and bring back the, the live events in the future, but also for other companies to use.
1: Beatport has been a champion of live streams with its Reconnect series during this pandemic. Raising thousands of dollars for out of work music professionals and nonprofit charities. Well, this week was no exception. Beatport Reconnect teamed up with When the Music Stops, a nonprofit focused on depression, anxiety, burnout, and suicide prevention, for a 24 hour long virtual music festival and conference. This happened this past weekend on November 7th. This live stream also offered several educational segments centered around mental health and wellness. Their keynote speakers included Tom Middleton, a breathonics composer and sleep coach, psychotherapist Dr. Ada Vazine, leading breathwork expert Stuart Sandman, and Silent Mode founder Bradley Young, as well as conversations with live music artists Sasha Rabadi and Rebecca. I think this is so incredibly important. Beatport Throughout the spring and summer, they have really stepped up to help people. And so it's not for them, it was not just about putting on a music event, but putting on a music event for a purpose and for a cause. And I think that pulling into mental health and providing this conference segment and educational segments within their stream is just really imperative to help people like us who are just listening and dealing with the craziness of COVID. I think it it was a really great opportunity to refocus and to let people know like they're not alone and here's some ways that you can help yourselves and here's some ways to kind of get out of a funk.
0: You know, I think it's fantastic. And Port, of course, interesting for them to stand out like this. It's where music producers go and put their tracks so that they can be ranked and rated and found and discovered and shared and, and even purchased. So like you mentioned, it's a great reach out and for them to have collaborated with a, you know, well-regarded organization that deals with these topics, I think is, is really smart. So Sinead, when the music stops, just something here off of their website, we believe the real prevention of suicide is letting people know that they aren't alone and that we too understand their feelings. We plan to create a simple and caring education program for middle and high schools that explores the mental health discussions in a creative and loving way. Please join us as it takes a village to heal the world. I mean, that's a great message. Look how far back they're going to the youth, to the youth. And the majority of participants of music festivals are the youth. Let's just take the United States as an example of a first world country where one might not assume that Mental health could be a huge issue simply because the quality of life is much higher. But one in five adults in the United States is impacted by mental health conditions. And that's roughly 47 million people. And suicide is the second leading cause of death in ages 10 to 34 years old. And then every 11 minutes, someone dies from suicide in the United States of America. Rob McDaniels here, the Beatport CEO, is quoted as saying, these are trying times for our industry. Now more than ever, taking care of ourselves, our minds, our well-being, and the well-being of others is truly vital. Mental health has been one of the most talked about topics in our industry for years, and this is a global topic that should continue to be discussed and destigmatized. Everyone at Bport takes this topic very seriously and will continue to bring visibility to it, and I think it's just great to see that mental health support is becoming a reality and well-talked-about subject, and it needs to continue and it needs to keep growing, because it's healthy and normal for human beings to discuss and communicate any mental health issues that they may have or that the people around them may have. And it brings us closer and makes us stronger.
1: Definitely, I absolutely agree with that statement. I think it really does bring us together in moments like this. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our Music Festival newscast and subscribe to our Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes.
0: German study concludes low to very low risk of coronavirus spreading at indoor gigs. So a study into the transmission of coronavirus at indoor concerts has concluded the environment poses a low to very low risk to attendees of contracting the virus. Scientists from HAL University in Germany carried out the Restart 19 experiment across three successive gigs held by German pop singer Tim Bensko in August. The team has now shared the results of the study, finding that transmission is low as long as attendees follow correct hygiene procedures and the venue limits capacity with good ventilation. The study recruited 1,400 volunteers who were pre-tested for COVID-19 and had their temperatures taken. Participants were fitted with masks, a digital location tracker, and hand sanitizer laced with fluorescent dye to help scientists track surface contact. So the first three of the gigs simulated an event before pre-pandemic with no safety measures in place. The second involved Greater hygiene and some social distancing, while the third involved half the number and each person standing one and a half meters apart or six feet. One of the team's researchers, Dr. Mikhail Gelki, said, There is no argument for not having such a concert. The risk of getting infected is very low. Now, Sinead, ventilation, I want to emphasize, was found to be a crucial factor in limiting the spread of COVID 19. This is what the study concluded. What are your thoughts on this study seeming to say that indoor venue concerts and activities might be okay in the coming year?
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you spoke about this, Mario. This is a follow up to this study that we mentioned in August. And so now they finally have the results, which is very exciting and promising for heading into the summer of 2021 this is a great opportunity. If they can show with scientific data that there was minimal spread and very low risk, then I don't see why we couldn't have events and concerts set up in a specific way, because then at least we have something. And I know it's not going to be the same as a regular concert or a regular festival, but it steps in a better direction than where we stood the summer of 2020.
0: Absolutely. Now, there are a few variables here that this study doesn't really take into account. So we need to be aware of that when we talk about this in this sense. Dr. Gabriel Scali, president of epidemiology and public health at the Royal Society of Medicine, says that the results are potentially useful, but issued a warning that the context could be tricky to emulate at normal events. And one of the things that the study mentions is that if everything is properly done in terms of the distancing and the hygiene and and even wearing a mask and all that kind of thing, and then there's proper ventilation, it does show clearly that the aerosoling of the virus particles through someone's mouth out into the air and into someone else's respiratory system is very low. However, what they were predicting was that during the intermission at a concert, and we're talking about, you know, venue concerts here as opposed to festival concerts because people come and go all the time. There's no real intermission. But at a concert in a venue, when people went to gather, get a drink, talk amongst themselves, get a little closer, that's when transmissions probably would get higher. And it's really difficult to police that. And I think this is why, even if this study comes out, Sinead, I'm not convinced that it's going to, first of all, insurance companies are not gonna lean on this and say, oh yeah, okay, no problem, we'll cover you. That's number one. So it's not a safety net for that. And then I also think that governments are gonna have a hard time putting this into practice, or at least leaning on it in terms of allowing mass gatherings because there's so many variables that you can't control. And I think the issue is if there's a lot of people in any one place, and inhibitions are lowered for any reason, people tend to hug, make out, get close, talk, yell, scream, sing, and all those kinds of things are not what this study was trying to say are okay. (laughs) So I just want to be really clear about all of that. I, I think it is nice to know I think for us personally, how this virus is transmitted and trans, and if we can do anything to protect ourselves and others. So I think in in that sense, this is actually quite reassuring. But other than that, in terms of it giving us a bit more belief that events will come back in the new year as they were in the past, I don't think that's quite what's going to happen in this case.
1: No, I don't think that things will go back to normal. Certainly, I think that point that you've made, it's similar to the point and the argument that people make for going back to any industry. Right. Going into restaurants that are fairly full and having to walk past people who don't have masks on if they're sitting at their table or going to school and being around other students and the likelihood of somebody taking off their mask when they're not supposed to or speaking really loudly or whatever the case may be. There's always this added factor of potential risk. And of course, concerts will have those same added factors.
0: Would you like to be on the show? If you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered, please click or forward the guest sign up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy.
1: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Illegal events explode across the UK before the new lockdown. Their second wave of COVID-19 is about to hit them hard, and the Prime Minister is seeing to its prevention. But over Halloween weekend, there were three notable illegal events. The first rave took place near Bristol at a warehouse in Yate. Approximately 700 people attended. Police arrived around 10.30 to break up violence on the Saturday night. And attendees actually threw lit spray cans and bottles at officers in retaliation. The officers arrested eight people, including a man in his 30s rumored to be the event organizer, seizing all of his music equipment. The second rave took place on a farm near Wigan. Police raided this event at 8.45 p.m. on the Saturday night after the property owners notified them. Attendees slashed several police vehicle tires in retaliation, Authorities arrested a 26-year-old man for suspicion of not providing personal details for a fixed penalty notice, and they arrested a 36-year-old man for possession of Class A drugs. The third rave took place in London at the disused Hampstead Police Station, where 800 people attended. But that's not all. Two people were hospitalized at a rave in Essex. Another man from a rave at a warehouse in Poole also went to the hospital the Metropolitan Police reported 10 more unlicensed music events on Halloween night. What does this all say? Well, I think this is a big reminder to people that if you're choosing to participate in something illegal during COVID and to ignore the lockdown and ignore the social distancing rules, you have to be aware that so much more could happen. And in these cases, I'm sure many of those people were not expecting things to get violent and expecting police raids or very violent scenarios. So it's just a big reminder for people to know what they're getting into and to be more aware of the choices that they make, because unfortunately, you never know how crazy things can get.
0: Yeah, I mean, wow, look, goodness me. We were talking about play graves back in August and I, I didn't I, for sure. I didn't think that was that was the end of that. I, I, I knew we were going to hear about them again. And here we go. But one of the things that stands out to me, and I oppose the most, is the violence in all of this. Look, if you're gonna have an illegal rave, stop thinking that you know the world is taking away your freaking freedom, and don't throw things at police officers. I mean, they're there to do their job. I, I mean, I wasn't there, so I'm assuming that the police officers weren't the ones who instigated the violence. That's not really how they're trained. So if I'm angry that you're breaking up my party, And I start throwing bottles at you and you're an officer. I mean, what do you think the end result is going to be? I mean, we live in an organized, lawful society, at least in the UK, they do. We do in Canada, they do in the US. It's the same everywhere. We live under laws and we're going through trying times right now. You can't walk around pretending like things aren't different. So if you want to have a good party, keep it small, do it responsibly, Respect others and don't throw things at police officers, for heaven's sakes.
1: Absolutely. I think that that's one of the worst things that you can do. They're there trying to help you. And you may not see it that way because you just view it as they're ruining the party. But look at all the other violent acts that happened that night and realize that you could have been injured and not from the police, from people at the party. Yeah. I
0: mean, slashing seven police vehicle tires in retaliation. Just stupidity. All right. And lastly, Sinead, breaking news. The state of Oregon in the United States of America becomes the first state to decriminalize all drugs, perhaps representing a turning point in, you know, the often said drug war that the United States has had ongoing for a very long time now. Oregon voted yes on measure 110 to decriminalize personal possession amounts of all drugs from LSD and MDMA to meth and even heroin, and thus treat drug use as a health matter rather than a criminal justice issue. With 52% of the precincts in Oregon reporting at the time of publish, the measure was leading big, with 60.7% of Oregonians having decided in favor of the historic policy to 39.3% opposal. It's surreal. It's so exciting, says Janie Gullickson executive director of the nonprofit Mental Health and Addiction Association of Oregon and one of the bill's three chief petitioners. A paradigm shift is about to happen regarding stigma and even the self-stigma we put on ourselves, she said. Now, Sinead, Oregon is a drug-saturated state. It grows huge fields of cannabis. It has pioneered marijuana reform and hosts music festivals swirling with psychedelics and empathogens. And in pathogens is the category of drugs that an MDMA would be under. At the same time, Oregon has one of the highest rates of people who need drug addiction treatment, but can't get it. It also just voted to legalize psilocybin in therapeutic context. And that, of course, is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. Now, under measure 110, folks caught with small amounts of any drugs will no longer face courtly battles, jail time or smears on their criminal record. Instead. They'll just be slapped on the wrist with a civic infraction and a mere $100 fine, almost like a speeding ticket. So instead of mandating abstinence or shaming people who use drugs, Janae, these treatment hubs will make an assessment and connect people to the services they need, whether that's housing, mental health care, drug education, naloxone, rehab, or even if the person so chooses, nothing at all. The goal is to get people into a healthy relationship with substances by helping them rather than punishing them.
1: I think this is brilliant. I think it's another step in the right direction. And I think more states and more countries need to follow suit because I don't know what's worse than somebody who has a personal amount of drugs on them and who's dealing and struggling with their own addiction, going to jail and going to somewhere where their mental state deteriorates and the only thing they look forward to is more drugs and that addiction because that's what they turn to for freedom of their situation. And of course, that's not everybody. But I think that this is very important. And decriminalizing drugs is not the same as legalizing drugs. This government is not saying, everybody, you should do drugs now, because that's, we're allowed to. They're saying that if you do and you're caught with a personal amount, it's clear your intention is not to sell them. Then here's a fine because you shouldn't be doing drugs. but we're not going to punish you for that. And I think that that's really, really, really important, especially for people in poverty who are growing up and making certain choices and being around a certain world. It's giving them those hopes that they can move forward.
0: Yeah. And like you mentioned, you're totally right. This isn't saying that it's endorsing, it's supporting, it's championing, it's encouraging the use of drugs. No, it's Support mechanisms rather than punishment mechanisms, which is really, really important. And obviously, you know, driving while you're high is still an offense and you get punished for that. And if you're the drug dealer or the pusher, you could also face criminal charges for that still. So this is only about the individual Who has a personal amount they're not selling it to anyone else and they're not going to get punished and thrown into jail for it i think this is clear evidence of civilization evolving in the right direction the war on drugs didn't work it spent way too much money it's caused a lot of death all over the world and you know we just need to look back at 2001 when portugal decriminalized all of drugs now that's almost 20 years ago All the evidence shows that the experiment had been a huge success. Drugs had declined over those years among young people in Portugal. And the death rate is five times lower than other European averages and one-fifteenth of America's death rate when it comes to drugs. And so in Oregon, they're saying that they're following the lessons that they learned from Portugal by studying the evidence that they saw from there. And they're trying to make Oregon as Portugal as possible. I also want to say one last thing, Sinead, and that is that I know that at music festivals, there are, I, w- I would call them temptations, but there's there's excitement to experiment with psychedelics, with empathogens, with marijuana, with some other substances, whatever they may be. Oftentimes, if you get them from the right source and you have them tested at the festival and their quality you're going to find you're not you're not going to run into crack cocaine okay at a music festival and you're not going to really run into meth either which is a particularly or heroin they're 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 highly addictive and we're going to go into this in the deep dives what i'm trying to say is that if you're a young person who wants to go to a festival have a wonderful time with your friends and you want to try something you make sure you test it then unfortunately later you find that for you even though you only tried it once or twice and it was a clean experience, that you find some sort of dependency on it based on your own you know, biochemical makeup and the interaction you had with that drug, that should not be something that you're then punished for. There are many traps that we can run into in our lives. And we need to know that sometimes we can go around just like a child in a house and bump ourselves into corners. We just hope that the parent put a little bit of rubber there so we don't poke our eye out. Just the overall philosophy of this, is really really powerful and i think it's going to it's going to lead to less death which is what we want harm reduction
1: harm reduction
0: well thanks everyone for joining us on another week's festival
1: grasp Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector. So you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while
0: you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love.
1: We're here for you, you're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, Or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes.
0: Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Sinead. See you next time.
1: Bye.